0: texted me about a month ago um, asking me to share, um, and when he texted me him uh, this, I knew exactly what, with what I wanted to share and what the Lord had been putting in my heart. The Lord been, had been putting this um, on my heart really for the past two or three years. Um, it's something that he, uh, he won't let me get away from, and uh, found uh, in times in life whenever God wants you to get away from something that he's teaching you, that's that's exactly that's you know. That's God. Um, Lee often says, you know, he believes in the revelation of repetition. That's what I feel like the Lord's just been doing this just in my heart, just repeating this over and over and over again to me. Um, And I could not be more grateful for it. Um, I just want to pray again that the Lord would bless this. Lord, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I ask that you just come, Lord, and you speak to us. Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord Jesus, to hear what you have to say. Lord, help me to say it. Lord, I just ask that your words, Lord Jesus, would be my words. Lord Jesus, that I would get out of the way, Lord, and allow you to do what you want to do. Bless your people. Thank you, God, that you are the God who gives and gives and gives and gives. God, Lord, thank you, Lord, for what you're going to give us tonight. Jesus name. Um, I've titled this um, "God's Heart for the Broken Heart." Um, and whenever I say "broken heart," um, that, that captures a lot of different people. Broken because life is broken them down. Broken them because they've been abused, because they've been cast down, because relationships haven't worked out the way they wanted to work out. Um, broken because life is just busy and grinds you down. Um, we in the American culture, we work our, uh, work our tails off. Um, and uh, we can, um, that can often weigh on us and we get run down. Um, and we feel brokenness in that way. Um, the broken heart because of your sin. Something you can't get away from. You keep struggling with over and over again. And you know the gospel. And you know that Jesus died for you and he rose again. And you feel like this. what's more consistent isn't necessarily you feeling forgiven, but what's more consistent is you falling. And that's the overwhelming feeling in your life, is that I just, I know I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna mess up again. Um, For those people. um, For the people who have a broken heart because of loss. um, Rachel and I have experienced loss in our own lives. um, But I wanna start out with my testimony. um, Because, like I said in the beginning, this is what I feel like the Lord's been working in my life for the past three years. Um, In high school, Really starting in junior high, uh, I suffered a lot from depression. It was a recurring depression. Every two weeks I would have this crippling depression where I just couldn't function. Um, Sometimes I would have to stay home from school, and then two weeks I would be okay and everything's fine. I was a normal high school kid, Um, and this lasted uh, up into college, just constant depression that would come and go, come and go, come and go. Did not understand that medicine didn't help, Um, but what it caused me to do is really press into God. Um, Rachel and I met my wife, and that significantly helped that depression. I believe that was a mercy of God and a kindness of God to bring her into my life, um, and he really, really used her to, to help me get through that. Um, we had our first kid. Uh, her name is Claire, but uh, she came um, very early. She came in 21 weeks. her breath as it held her, and she wasn't able to breathe, and eventually she passed. That was a very difficult time. Felt a lot of brokenness. Um, then after we had our son Judah, miraculously, he made it. He was born in 22 weeks, um, just a week and a half later after uh, after Claire, and he spent four months in the NICU, um, and as a lot of you know, he's just a, a, just a living miracle. Every breath he takes is a breath he shouldn't have had. Um, <laughs> After that, I um, was blindsided by a three month long um, depression where I, uh, I, I didn't know which way was up and down. Um, anxiety pelted me over and over and over again. The best way I could describe it is if I was in a fog and everything was black and I couldn't see. Um, I felt like there was a swarm of bees constantly around me with just anxious thoughts, anxious thoughts. You could ask my wife, I could hardly function. I had to take off of work for a um, several months uh, It was so bad And that's when the Lord really started speaking to this What I'm going to share tonight um, The Lord eventually took me out of this And what he did during that time was showed me his heart towards me in that, Of where I was He showed me The depth of his heart towards me The mercy, the grace, the kindness of God His love towards me How his heart beat for me in that time And it was something that I knew about God In, in my head but then I really began to truly experience it um, and so I went through that Eventually the Lord just slowly He was teaching me this, this lesson About his mercy, about his kindness About his lowliness, about his gentleness Towards me in the middle of it um, And eventually slowly came out um, I had another episode that was similar Not as severe um, a few months back That lasted several months But again he just came back and kept speaking This message to me of mercy and grace um, I want to read uh, Just a, a short text um, it's Exodus 33, 18 through 19, um, and Exodus 34, 5 through 7. Um, I'll just read it real quick. You don't have to turn it into your Bible. But um, just as context, this is Moses and Israel. Um, they had just um, been delivered out of Egypt. They had seen God do, do miraculous things. After miraculous things, they see the Red Sea open. Um, and uh, eventually they get to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up. He gets the Ten commandments. But whenever he comes back down, Israel, after seeing everything that God had done for them and blessed them and had mercy upon them and delivered them, they had already very quickly gone and made another idol against God. They made the, uh, the golden calf. And so God was um, obviously upset. Um, but this is right after this where Moses goes back up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments again. And he's pleading with God. Um, Moses says, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you the name, I will Proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Now go into Exodus 34. And so the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, But but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. (laughs) So what God does here is he's giving a commentary on his glory. Moses asks him, Lord, let me see who you are. Let me see your essence. Let me see what makes you great. Let me see what makes you so have so much splendor and you know the whole world talks about you talks of your greatness talks of your goodness i want to see the heart i want to see what makes up your glory like what is the heartbeat of your glory what gets you out of bed in the morning what drives you what is this great thing about you and so god agrees i'll show you this most would describe glory um very differently than how god would describe his own glory whenever we think of glory um one of the first things that popped up in my mind was in roman times whenever a um, great general would have a, a big victory. Um, he would come through and have a triumph. Um, what these triumphs were, where, uh, after they had a great victory, they conquered some people. They would bring spoils. They would bring people. They would bring the other people's king and parade them through town. Um, and it was this huge parade. like even If you've ever seen you know, videos or whatever you've been to, like a Mardi Gras, there's huge parades. like This trumped that exponentially. They were massive. Um, They would even have whole um, floats where uh, you would have a scene of the battle and the battle was enacted on this float. So it was this big, glorious, uh, majestic thing. Um, And so what it was doing, what was implied there is that I am someone who is greater than anyone else around, and I'm gonna parade my glory. I'm unapproachable, I'm better than you, I'm better than these people. And so oftentimes that's what we have in our mind is what glory is. We think of the glory of God and rightly so we think of God's holiness, we think of his righteousness, we think that he's this person, like we like we see in Exodus there, that if you even touch uh, Mount Sinai, then immediately I'm gonna die. You can't even have animals or anything touch Mount Sinai or else you're gonna you're gonna die. And that's what we think God, that's what we think God's glory is, that's where we think it's found. But that's not what God says. He says, first, so God walks by. And he shows Moses his glory, and God has to describe to Moses what he's seeing. And what he first says that is the description of his glory is that he's merciful. The very first thing he said is merciful. The very first word out of his mouth is mercy. Um, So a lot of us in here would maybe think their relationship with God at this point. Because they, like I said in the beginning, you feel like you're stuck in sin. You feel like you keep struggling over and over and over with this. With whatever it is, Um, you name it, you know it, you feel it, you feel the conviction of God, you feel the guilt, you feel the condemnation. Um, You would feel that God tolerates you in a sense. You're welcome to the table, but you're not really introduced into the conversation. You're kind of brought in, but you're not really acknowledged. That's not who God says he is. He says, I am merciful towards you, and I will come to you, and I will rescue you, and I will bring you in, and I will rejoicingly do it. His heart towards you is mercy, and it is constantly mercy. It does not cease. It does not stop. Lamentation says that We all know it. That his mercy is new every single morning. And so his heart towards you right now is not, is not tolerating you. He's not necessarily just consistently upset with you, thinking you could have done better, that you need to shape up and do better tomorrow, but his heart towards you right now is mercy, and he moves towards you in that mercy. It is not someone, he's not someone who's unapproachable, but he's someone who is the most approachable person in the universe because of that mercy. Um, The next thing he says is that he is gracious. Um, What this means, I looked at the definition of it and what it means whenever he says gracious, the definition that I found was properly, he bends down to the inferior and the lowly. This is best, um, this is best seen through the heart of Jesus and who he approaches. Jesus obviously has a ton of amazing teachings and obviously, you know, it's the word of God, you know, it's, it's, it's all incredible. But if you see what he is doing and you see who he moves towards, he runs to, he seeks out, he rejoices in coming out of heaven to the lowly. To the cast down, to the cast out, to the broken, to the rejected. He is inexplicably attracted to these people. He sought out uh, a list of just the the people that Jesus sought out. He sought out those with leprosy. He sought out prostitutes, tax collectors, which many of us know, but you may not know. Tax collectors in that time were people who had set themselves up against against the home country of Israel. And they were working for the occupation. Imagine if Russia came in and they took over. Um, and they were, uh, over us as Americans, it would be as if one of us, uh, joined the Russians and started to oppress, oppress our fellow brothers, oppress our, our fellow family. Um, that's who tax collectors were. He came for those people. He went out of his way to the woman at the well. We all knew the story of the woman at the well. who had five different husbands. He went out and sought her out to the thief on the cross, the lame women and children who were at that time, social outcasts, the disfigured and the demon possessed. Jesus seeks out those people on the outside. You feel like you're maybe on the outside. Maybe you're not spiritually good enough. Maybe you're not welcomed in like you think you want to be welcomed in. But that you are exactly who Jesus wants to seek out. If you feel broken in any way, he is attracted to you. you feel like you're on the outside in any way, he is absolutely attracted to you. The next thing he says is that he is abounding in steadfast love. Um, and the first thought that came to my mind whenever I read that is like, how does God abound? We know what abundance in our terms means. We think of Jeff Bezos. We think of you know the gross domestic uh, product of the United States of America. We think of all just the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that, that we take in. Um, and we think that's what abundance is. But how does an eternal God abound? I would encourage you to think about that, to let that sink in. That a God who owns absolutely everything, who spoke... And stars were made and universes were made and galaxies were made and in the absolute glory you walk out and you look at the Rocky Mountains and you see how beautiful that is. That same God, the God who abounds in all of those things, he abounds towards you in steadfast love and faithfulness. His abundance is not like our abundance. In no way is it like our abundance. He steadfastly loves you and no matter how many times you feel like you're abounding in your sin, you're abounding in your brokenness, he super abounds over that to you in his love and his faithfulness to you. So I know this is kind of short and brief, but uh, I want to just jump to the application. Um, how do we apply this? These are awesome things. These are beautiful things and wonderful things, but how do we allow this? How do we bring this down here? The first thing I would say is um, allow your heart to be trained by mercy. Um, Peter had done this. He would allowed his heart to be trained by mercy. Jesus had told him that he would sin against him, he would deny him, reject him, and Peter said, absolutely, no way, I'm not going to leave you, I'm never going to forsake you, and he ends up doing so. But the first time that, Jesus, that Peter sees Jesus is whenever he's out on the boat, and he sees Jesus on the shore, and Jesus is there cooking a meal, and the first thing that Peter does is he jumps out of the boat and he runs towards Jesus. Our natural reaction, if we do not know the heart of the Father, is to withdraw and to pull away whenever we sin. whenever we. Peter had allowed his heart to be trained by mercy because he knew whenever he fell, he knew there was a remedy. He knew the heart of God towards him in Christ Jesus that it was mercy, mercy, mercy continually. That my God has atoned for me. He will take care of this, and he abounds towards me in this way. I would uh, encourage you to love, love this quote um, by Robert M. Shane. Um, he says, Learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eyes settle on you in love and repose in his mighty arms. Look to his heart. Look to his mercy. He's not wanting to come down with you on a hammer if you know him. Know his mercy, know his love, know his grace towards you in the midst of your struggle. He's not going to pull away from you. He's going to run through you. Um, secondly, I would say in Micah 6 eight, this is, what is your responsibility, oh man, is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God calls us to love mercy. How many times would we say, like, our spouse snaps at us, someone wrongs us, someone slights us, we don't get a promotion that we want to get, someone does something against us, and our reaction is vengeance. Our reaction is to snap back um But what God calls us to do is to instead love mercy, to love showing mercy towards others, to take up the heart of God towards us in Christ Jesus, and not just receive it, but then to give it to, us, to someone else. So the next time, and, and in order to do this, it's only by the grace of it's only by the grace of God, it's only by the Spirit of God. You have to dwell much on His mercy and realize who you are, and who you are in Jesus, who you were before Jesus, and who you are now in Jesus. And dwell in that fact of that I've been given abounding mercy. And so the next time, whenever someone says something to you in that way or offends you, to respond to mercy. And to love giving that mercy because you're joining in what God does. Is giving out mercy over and over and over again. Um, so I just want to close there, y'all. Um, we'll just ask uh, if we just bow our heads in prayer. and um, Lord, we'll thank you for this day, God. Thank you just... Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I would ask, Lord, that you just, Lord, allow this, this word just to sink in our hearts, Lord just to see your heart, Lord, towards us. That you do love us, Lord Jesus, that you chose us, Lord, that you are with us, God. That your mercy abounds towards us. That your kindness abounds towards us, Lord. Help our hearts to be trained by this, Lord Jesus, Lord, and help us then to go out, Lord, and just speak to others, Lord Jesus, and treat others, Lord, like, as you would have us to, uh, to treat them, Lord. Help us to give out mercy as you give out mercy. In Jesus' name.